Blog Talk Radio. and welcome to this edition of the cheapest meal presented by deep fried draft my name is brian bosart i told you yesterday senior bowl week we're going wall-to-wall coverage and that includes the cheapest meal podcast where we're going to try to we're going to be all over the air excuse me all week long and uh let's get it started now because here's another special guest with us he is the owner-operator of DraftCountdown.com, one of the longest-running NFL draft websites out there. He's a good friend of mine, Scott Wright. Scott, welcome to the podcast tonight. Hey, Brian. Good to be back as always. Well, Scott, um, I'll tell you, it's the best time of the year. It is. starts the, the three best uh, three months we all basically live for out of the year, and I, I'm, I'm ready to get started. No question about it, and and honestly, the Senior Bowl week is my favorite of the week of the year. Uh, there's just nothing better if you're a fan of the NFL draft, and I always encourage people, if you love the NFL draft, like obviously we do, make it a point sometime in your life to go down to Mobile for the week. They they treat you spectacularly, it's outstanding access, and there's just no better opportunity to evaluate so many great players in one place. Oh, no, no doubt about it, and... Uh... We're going to get a little bit – we're going to talk a little bit about the senior – well, we're going to talk a lot about the senior bowl, I should say, here in a little bit. But there's a couple other things I want to talk about. Scott, uh, it's, it's championship week in, in the NFL, which is, you know, all these players we're evaluating, we're, we're evaluating them to the NFL. So uh, did you see the end of the Saints and Rams game, the no call on the pass interference? I did see that. I mean, that was bad. And on one hand, I understand you as a referee because if you throw that flag there – that basically ended the game. Uh, and you don't want to end the game or if you're the referee, but that was so blatant that they almost had no choice. I mean, uh, that was egregious to say the least. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever quite seen such a no-call like that in my years of watching football. It was that bad. I mean, Nikhil Roby says it was bad. Everybody, everybody who saw it knows it was bad and just – you hate to see it. I mean, you don't want to say that one play cost the Saints a game because it, it wasn't. You never should put yourself in that position. But, man, that, that was a horrible way to go. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, though. I can definitely sympathize, sympathize with that referee, though. Um, I mean, I don't know if I would have thrown the flag. I mean, I, it would have taken something that egregious for me to throw the flag there considering what was at stake and the point in the game. So I, I really have a lot of sympathy sympathy for that referee that was just a, a really difficult situation and a, a, the type of spot that any referee I'm sure that's their worst nightmare to be put on a spot like that and have to make that type of decision oh no doubt about it Scott let's briefly talk about your uh your pride and joy the Notre Dame fighting Irish we talked earlier before the season started I think we both thought eight and four nine and three was going to be you know probably what it was going to be and they go undefeated in the regular season probably didn't see that coming no, uh, and and just by nature, I'm pessimistic, and and I have my guard up when it comes to Notre Dame. I've I've been I've been uh, conditioned over the years to to be careful and be prepared for letdowns. But 
No, they had a terrific season, and unfortunately they, they struggled in that game against Clemson, but Clemson's a really good team. Uh, I don't think there's any shame in losing to them, and a couple plays, it, it could have been a lot closer. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's nice just to have them back in the conversation relevant on a national stage again. There was about 20 years there from, you know, the mid-'90s through just, until just in 2012 when they were in the national championship game against Alabama where – they were bordering on irrelevant or as irrelevant as Notre Dame can be. So I think the college game of college football is stronger when Notre Dame is uh, at least in the conversation. And, uh, uh, and now they just got to work on taking that next step. Uh, I guess as a Notre Dame fan, I wish they had closed that gap a little from the, the very top tier teams a little more than uh, in the last five, six years playing Alabama to Clemson in the, those big games. But uh, you know, it is what it is, and they ran into the eventual national champion, so there's there's no shame in that. I think, you know, the embarrassment probably gets – nobody's really talking about how they got embarrassed after Alabama got embarrassed by the same team, you know, uh, nine nine days or so later. So that kind of helps out the Notre Dame palate, I believe. But uh, I will say life. this, Scott – right. I will say this, though uh, – there was one team out there that also played Clemson that didn't lose as bad to them as Alabama and Notre Dame did. Just going to throw that out there. But uh, uh, Would that be South Carolina? That, that would be South Carolina. Now, <laughs> granted, they still lost by 21 points, but that was less than what Notre Dame and Alabama lost to them by. I will have everybody know. Well, and this was but, a uh, talented Notre Dame team. Uh, you know, and, and it shows in this, this draft class. They're going to have a bunch of guys drafted and uh, – um, Notre Dame, I, I think it's clear, even from when they lost Alabama in 2012, I, I think they're such a better program now, top to bottom, and have su- such better talent. And uh, I think the Senior Bowl is proof of that. Uh, you look at all the players they're going to have there, Dexter Williams, Tavon Coney, Drew Tranquil, Jerry Tillery could have been there, Alzheimer Mack could have been there, uh, Julian Love is an underclassman. So there were years where it would be like one Notre Dame player drafted. Now, I mean, they're back to where they're traditionally going to have, you know, a half a dozen or so. I want to, before we get in, let's touch on Alizé Mack right quick, but he was originally listed as a commitment for the Senior Bowl, but you told me, and then the NFL basically confirmed it when they sent out the underclassmen list, he did not get his degree. So what was, why the, I wonder what made the jump to conclusions there for the Senior Bowl, and then they had to pull his name off. Yeah, and of course, for a player with eligibility to play in the Senior Bowl, you have to have your degree. So uh, when they announced Alizé Mack, I think they, uh, they, assumed he was on pace to earn his degree, but for one reason or another, um, and, and, you know, I, I don't want to spread rumors or anything, but I heard he didn't really take care of his business in the classroom, which isn't too big of a leap because he had some issues earlier in his college career. That's why he redshirted his second year in college to get his off the field kind of in order. So that's going to be one of the question marks with him and, and a reason he's probably going to go two or three rounds lower than he probably should on draft day. I think I think on talent alone, he should probably be a day two pick. Uh, I think he's one of the more talented tight ends in this class, but I could still see him being on the board uh, into day three because of those concerns. Right. I want to talk briefly about the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl because you shared a funny photo with me, and then I watched the game. And they held, they've held the game at the Rose Bowl the last two years, and you basically said it looks like it's only friends and family there. I mean, it was probably – They'll probably say it was 10,000 people there, but there's 0% chance it was that many people there. I mean, for those who haven't seen that picture at kickoff, uh, it, it was uh, I mean, it was embarrassing. I don't think there's any other way to put it. I mean, for a, a game with, with their resources, they should just be better in every regard, not only from uh, 
catering to people like us, draft mix. I mean, that's still the only all-star game I've yet to be able to get the weigh-in results from. I don't know why it's a state secret to find out how tall the, the return specialist from Assumption really is, but um, it would be nice to say they were a little more forthcoming with that. But the NFLPA, that game can be as big or as small as they want it to be. It just depends on how what if they want to prioritize it or not, because they have the resources to put into it, and they have a great location out there in Los Angeles, and Certainly, if I were a player, I would want to play for my future union. Uh, so uh, the potential is there for that game to do something special, but uh, they just have not taken advantage of it in, in any capacity, whether it be the just the publicity and, and, uh, and, and maybe getting attention within the draftnik and the media, draftnik community and the media, right down to the rosters. The rosters could be so much better than they are. I think they've made some mistakes with how the game's been run in recent years. They're going through directors, Every year now, I think they're going to be going on their third director in three years. So, um, you know, they have to get their house in order, but the potential is there for that game to be pretty special uh, under the right leadership and guidance. But uh, it's been lacking both those things to this point, in my opinion. I had a thought briefly today, and I don't know logistically if it's possible, but I thought of a way to maybe improve the game, so to speak. And one, it needs to move off the current week that it's on. I just you, you having this game the same day as the Shrine game is just asinine to me. I don't get it. So here's the deal. They even air on TV at the same time. There's only like an hour difference, right? Yeah, give or take. So here's the thing. Yeah. The Super Bowl moves every year, right? Goes to different cities every year. There's nothing happening on the Saturday before the Super Bowl. So move the game to whatever city the Super Bowl is in because there's going to be a college – nearby a smaller facility in every city that the Super Bowl is going to be in. Now, granted, this may not work when they go to like Minneapolis or Indianapolis or somewhere like that where it's frigid, but like take this year the games in Atlanta. Have the game and the week of practice in Atlanta at, like for example, at the old Turner Field where Georgia State plays in Atlanta now. Have it the week bef- the week of the Super Bowl. Everybody's there already anyway. All of the NFL brass are there. All of the everybody gets together for the Super Bowl. So why not have it the same week as the Super Bowl, and then that way you offers another a venue. I'm with you for moving the date for sure. Uh, there's just no reason that you need to be competing with East West Shrine Game. Uh, it, it does a disservice to both of them. Uh, but I don't know if they need to move the locale. And I think they're just logistically it would just be too much to put in the same cities as Super Bowl with hotel rooms, flights, and things of that nature. And honestly, they've got the best facilities of any all-star game out there in Los Angeles. I mean, you should see the hotel they stay at. It is unbelievable. I mean, it is luxury all the way across. They have a big stadium to play in. The beautiful weather. I mean, we're getting ready for next week, and we know how the weather can be in Mobile at times, Brian. It uh, looks like we might get another <laughs> rainy one this year. They don't have to worry about that for the most part out in Los Angeles. Um, uh, but but you, they definitely need to move the game date. But uh, I would just stay out there in L.A. I, I Honestly, I think that's one of their strongest selling points. And if they could ever get people out there to see the game, uh, I think it would be a selling point for them. Well, the thing is, you can't get people in Los Angeles to go out and see anything that does, doesn't involve a winner, so to speak. I mean, I mean, look at the the Chargers; they can't even set, they were twelve and four team and couldn't even sell out a twenty eight thousand seat soccer stadium. 
Right, and, and the locals it might be tough, but <coughs> I, I guess I was just talking about people like us, draft mix, uh, even scouts. I mean, right. scouts have to decide too. And teams have to decide where do we send them? Do we want to send them to East West Shrine Game or do we want to send them to PA? Most of them end up getting sent to the Shrine Game just because it's a better talent pool and there's better prospects there. So. Um, you, you, the, the, the TA really has to do better in every regard, and, and, and I think they have to think outside the box because right now they are still a distant third in this All-Star game, and you and I were talking, I, I, there were positions that I would make an argument for the, the college gridiron showcase having better talent than NFLPA, which is just inexcusable. So they, they need to like make some outside-the-box decisions to try to close some of the ground on East-West Shrine game. They're never going to catch the senior bowl, I don't think. That's unrealistic. But there's no reason they can't be competing with the exact same ta- for the exact same talent as East-West Shrine game and, and win more than they lose. Yeah, no doubt. So let's, uh, let's move on to the number one uh, all-star game, the premier all-star game, if you will, the senior bowl. And uh, – I've I've went to my first Senior Bowl in 1987 when I was eight years old, and I've gone probably the I'll say the majority of the years since then. Uh, but the last five six years I've done it as a uh, as a draft nick, as you say, or a draft evaluator for deep fried drafts. So it's been more of a uh, we won't call it a job, but definitely more of a uh, from an evaluation point than as a fan. So, uh, but so the senior bowl has been big, a big part of my life. And that's awesome. I, I'm jealous that you've been going that long. I always like hearing the old stories from our buddy Pigskin Paul, because he's been going forever too. I first started going in 2005. That was my first year. And, uh, and I'm kind of coming full circle this year because that first year, John Gruden was the coach of one of the squads when he was with the Buccaneers. And, that week, he famously fell in love with Cadillac Williams and wound up taking him with the fifth overall pick. And now he's back trying to rebuild the Raiders. And it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, how much advantage he takes of this opportunity. And I have a feeling he's going to end up drafting a lot of players from his roster because he's the be-all and end-all with the Raiders right now. He's got the final say. And I think he's going to fall in love with more than one guy. Well, I think we can both agree that he's not gonna he's not gonna draft anybody from this game at fourth overall. I don't believe, but he's got a couple of those other first round picks in the late round, late first round that could be a guy here. Um, I just released earlier, probably about two hours ago, I released a list of ten players I think who need this week more than most. You know, five from the north, five from the south. I want you to give me two guys on this current Senior Bowl roster that you think need this week more than anybody else. Uh, I'll do one on each side of the ball, and, and one, I'm going to say Drew Locke, quarterback for Missouri. I know there's still some people who have him in the, as high as the top 10 overall, but to me, he's more of a top 50 guy right now. I think he's on that first-round fringe, and I think depending on how he performs in Mobile, he could be a top 10 to 15 overall pick, or he could fall deep into day two. I think there's that wide of a range for him, and uh, just a huge opportunity. You know, you mentioned maybe the Raiders don't take anybody at number four. Maybe one of these quarterbacks. What if they get rid of Derek Carr like he did Khalil Mack and uh, Amari Cooper? I think that's something to keep an eye on. And, and if, you know, that's been rumored that that might be in Gruden's plans eventually. And if it is, I'm sure he's going to be keeping a very close eye on this quarterback prop. And his squad, he's got the self team. And he's got Daniel Jones from Duke, who could be that guy maybe in play as high as number four, or Drew Locke, who could be in play with one of those first-round picks. So, so that's definitely a guy who I think has a lot to gain or lose. Uh, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to hedge a little bit, not just say one guy, but just kind of identify a position group. Uh, it's pass rushers. 
because even though defensive line is a strength of this draft, you're going to see Bosa and Furrow and Rashawn Gary and these guys go off the board early and often. So I think there's a little bit of a vacuum in that middle of first round area, maybe 15 to 25, and an opportunity for one of these pass rushers to move into that range, similar to what we saw with Marcus Davenport uh, last year at the Senior Bowl. So the guys I'm going to kind of be watching, I'm going to make a concerted effort to watch these guys as much as possible. Montez Sweat from Mississippi State, Zach Allen from Boston College, O'Shane Zimanis from Old Dominion, and Jalen Ferguson from Louisiana Tech. Those four guys, that's one of the biggest storylines I'm going to be watching because I think when all is said down, one of those guys is going to go in the top 15 to 20 overall, and um, I think the Senior Bowl is going to have a lot to do with it. You mentioned uh, some of the pass rushers, and I think that's going to be some of the more interesting one-on-ones, uh, them and some of these offensive tackles that uh, that are down here to watch. What, what are some of the matchup, potential matchups that, you, that you're looking forward to this week in the one-on-ones? Well, to me, the premier uh, offensive lineman at the game this year is Andre Dillard from Washington State. I'm a big fan of his. Certainly, he does a really good job in pass protection. He got plenty of reps and opportunities playing in, in Mike Leach's air raid offense. And uh, he's, that, that's going to be a good test for those guys I mentioned uh, for some of them when they go up against Dillard to, to, to see if they can beat him around the edge because he does as well as just about anybody there. So definitely looking forward to seeing him. I really like Michael Dieter from Wisconsin, too. and Not that he's this high-level talent, but he's going to be a starter somewhere. He can play tackle. He can play guard. Um, so I, I really like Dieter, too. Uh, and, and I think he's going to be up there battling to be that, that one of those first interior uh, linemen off the board, maybe the back end of the first round. So I guess those are two guys that, uh, that I'm particularly interested in. And, and then some of the small school guys, too, um, like uh, Titus Howard from Alabama State. Uh, Ole Udo from Elon, who just got called up from East-West Shrine game after a strong performance there, could play tackle or guard. So, uh, you know, every player at the Senior Bowl has a storyline or something they're trying to prove or a question they're trying to answer. Uh, but but I guess the biggest thing, I want to see Dillard against pass rushers and vice versa. He's one of the guys I, uh, I talked about that uh, I'm looking forward to, I think needs this week the most, because if he can shut down those pass rushers in one-on-ones this week, he's going in the first round. Uh, you you do more background work, like as far as player backgrounds, than anybody else that I know. So, and, and you all the time come across just some interesting nuggets. Of the guys here, who do you think, who has the most interesting background that you've come across so far? That's a good question. Um, you know what? I'm going. I'm, I'm just kind of just going through right now, going through my uh, the rosters, just trying to see who kind of stands out to me as as having the most interesting background. I mean, O'Shane Zimanis Zim, from Old Dominion, of course, I think is is really interesting, just because kind of a smaller program. Um, I'm trying to think just in terms of like public interest, you know, background stories. Maybe come back to that one. I'll think about that one. Maybe come back to you on it. All right. All right, we we touched okay, on Andre Dillard. About, okay, okay. How about Rocky Sin? Rocky Sin from Temple. Let's go with him. Uh, a guy who transferred okay. from Presbyterian College, and and there's been examples of this over year over the years where you see a sm- top small school player move up a level in competition for their final year of eligibility, and a lot of times it doesn't work out very well. This is a case where it worked out extremely well. Uh, he took to it immediately. Didn't look out of place at all, and and really went from a guy who he wasn't off the radar going into his senior year, but was considered more of a, a late-round free agent guy. 
whereas now maybe he even sneaks into day two. So I think Rocky sent from Temple for just the, the small school roots, the incredible senior campaign. He's 6'2", 190 pounds. We're going to see how well he runs. But I think that's a pretty interesting background story. So that's the one that I guess jumps to the top of my head. Um, we talked briefly about Andre Dillard. I want to talk about some other offensive tackles. Is there any other besides Dillard that you think uh, could be day one starters uh, that's here this week? You know, Caleb McGarry from Washington, and, and he wasn't even the highest rate guy in his own team. His, his former teammate Trey Adams was the more highly rated guy coming into the year, and unfortunately he got hurt, or I think he would have been a first-round pick in this draft, maybe battling to be the first tackle. He's a guy to watch for next year. But Caleb McGarry's not as flashy, but there's some poor man's Mike McGlinchey to his game. He's 6'8", 325 pounds. Probably going to be more of a right tackle in the NFL, but you know he's a guy that you're probably going to be able to get somewhere on day two, maybe even the third round. But he's not particularly flashy. He's not going to wow you with his physical tools, but just a really solid player. And um, so, so he's a guy I'm, I think has a chance to to be an instant starter day one at tackle out of the senior bowl crop. Um, we've had about 14 or 15 additions and subtractions. Uh, from their original commitments, uh, 14 if you don't count Alizé Mack. Um, of the players that have bowed out, who were you most disappointed to see go? Oh, man, you know, and the draft picks always hate to see these guys drop out of the game. And, and, and the obvious answer is Josh Allen, the linebacker from Kentucky, just because he would have been the highest-rated prospect in the game. And uh, I think a guy who's pegged to go probably somewhere in the top three to five overall. So I was definitely disappointed not to see him. I think DeAndre Baker from Georgia, a little bit of a curious decision. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of competition battling with, whether it's Byron Murphy from Washington, Trayvon Mullen from Clemson, Julian Love from Notre Dame. I, I think when draft day rolls around, he might regret missing this opportunity to to compete. So so that that's definitely one. Um, yeah, I, I guess those would be the biggest ones. Uh, Yadni Kajus is another one from West Virginia, just because I think uh, – uh, could just, excuse me, Yadni could just, because uh, I think he could have been right there with Andre Dillard. I think those are the two guys when people talk about maybe fringe first round left tackle prospects, those are the two guys you talk about. Well, Dillard's going to have an opportunity to kind of uh, improve himself, whereas Kajus is going to be out of sight, out of mind to a certain degree. So I think that could be a missed opportunity for him that that uh, winds up biting him a little bit on draft day. So uh, I guess those are the names that stand out for me in terms of, of the dropouts, but but Certainly, it would would have been nice to have uh, have Josh Allen there just for the the star power of it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, of the guys that have been added to replace those, who are you happiest to see? Boy, and, and I like a lot of their ads, uh, but but the guy who I keep coming back to is Tony Pollard, the running back from Memphis, who pe- a lot of people probably aren't overly familiar with. And it's because he played a backup role in college to Daryl Henderson, who was a very productive runner, going to be selected earlier in the draft. But I'm very intrigued by Pollard just because of his versatility. He is going to have a role in the NFL. I don't know that he's going to be a starting running back, but he's going to be, at worst case, he's a running back slash wide receiver slash return man. He does all three extremely well. And he's good size. He's six foot, 210. He supposedly runs in the 4'4 range. So, Keep an eye on Tony Pollard. This is a huge opportunity for him. Another running back, Wes Hills uh, who, from Slippery Rock, who had strong showing at NFLPA uh, in the, in, and got the call-up. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. 
Uh, but, but Tony Pollard, of the guys that they added as injury replacements or, or uh, dropout replacements, uh, he's the guy that just jumps out for me. I, I'm really intrigued by him in this running back class. Yeah, don't be surprised if Wes Hills, quote-unquote, wins the weigh-in at uh, uh, Tuesday morning because that dude looked yoked up out there when I was watching that game yesterday. Uh, a guy that I am uh, was glad to – well, two guys because – I'm an unabashed Tyree Jackson fan, and probably too much so. So he's one. But last night they had uh, Sutton Smith. The uh, I guess he's no longer an edge rusher, but the former edge rusher from Northern Illinois, who's now going to be an off-ball linebacker. Um, do you think that's where he's got to where he's got the move he's got to make? And how great is that for him to be able to do that this week? I think that is the move he's got to make. He's in my outside linebacker rankings, and I have him as my number 13 outside linebacker, which is kind of on that, you know, fifth, sixth-round fringe right now. But this is a huge opportunity for him to answer some of those questions that people have because he's going to be asked to play a different role in the pros than he did in college. This is a chance to prove that he can play on his feet against top-level competition. Uh, And from what I've heard in the pre-draft process so far, he's working out and training, and he's looking pretty good moving around so far. So uh, we'll get to see this week. But, yeah, at 6'1", 237, uh, I just can't envision him playing with his hand in the dirt at the next level. He's going to have to play outside linebacker. And, and this is going to be very much, I think, a, a make-or-break week for his draft stock to a large degree. Yeah, how big how big is it for him to, like, I mean, because I think in the NFL, excuse me, not how big it is, but his role, I think he's a two-down linebacker, third-down go get him type of guy. I think that's going to be – could be his role if he was a starter down the road. Um, but I think the weigh-in is going to be huge for him because is he going to be above six foot? How much pounds does he weigh? That's, I think, going to be the big thing for him. Yeah, and just overall length. How long is there, are his arms? Is he going to be able to, to keep the trash off him as he works through blocks, things of that nature? And, and, and I, 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 the, the two biggest things for him are not only the senior bowl, but then the scouting combine, <laughs> doing the positional drills, see how athletic he is, how he moves around. But I think the senior bowl is even more important because we're going to get to see him do all those things, but we're also going to get to see him, as you alluded to, in football situations, using him in different roles and, and kind of seeing, trying to find what is his niche going to be at the next level. Right. All right, Scott, last question uh, here, and I'll let you go. Uh, so every Friday before the senior bowl game, those of us that hang around for the game, we have what we call the Grapeco party every year. We've done it for like six years now. Uh, it's the, the numbers are smaller than they used to be, uh, so to speak. But, uh, last year we, we recorded it for a podcast. We had a good time doing it. And I, I feel like we're going to do that again this year. So when we do the second annual Grapeco cheapest meal podcast this year, who's, who are we going to be talking about as the biggest winner from the week? You know what? I think it's going to be Drew Locke. Uh, I, I think teams are going to want to fall in love with him, especially the teams that are probably not going to be in the running for the top guys, whether it be Dwayne Haskins or I, I consider Daniel Jones from Duke who's going to get the senior bowl in that top tier too. I think he's much more highly thought of around the league than people realize. And I think there's a chance he could be the first quarterback off the board. But let's say if it goes like in my most recent mock draft, let's say uh, Dwayne Haskins goes six to the Giants and Daniel Jones goes seven to the Jaguars. Well, then all of a sudden here, if you're a team like the Broncos at 10 or the uh, Dolphins at 13 or the Redskins at 15, you still need a quarterback. So uh, I think Locke's 
an easy guy to talk yourself into. And he doesn't. I don't even think he needs to have just an amazing Senior Bowl week. I think he just needs to have a consistent good week, and I think he can play himself into the top 15. So, so, so that's the big name in terms of maybe the the the, the off the radar guy who I think could be a, a bigger name coming out of it. I, I'm going to go with the small school guy, John Kaminsky from uh, John Kaminsky, excuse me, from Charleston, uh, a small school kid, very productive. I want to see him physically because I'm not exactly sure what he is. Is he a DN? Is he a, a, maybe a potential outside linebacker? Is he a potential defensive tackle? That's one of those guys I want to see in the weight in the weigh-in because he's changed his frame so much the last few years, putting on I think almost 20 pounds a year in college. I want to see if he maxed out now. Does he still have more growth potential? But a very productive pass rusher, and uh, he's a guy I think if he has a good week, he could be this year's Nathan Shepard where. He plays himself into the top 100 overall on the defensive line. Or it could be this year's Darius Leonard, a guy who was outside of probably a day three guy, comes out of the senior bowl, dominates all week, has 16 tackles in the game. Now he's probably going to be defensive rookie of the year. There you go. And, and I remember writing about Darius Leonard last year down there, and he was a guy who certainly caught my eye just with, with how smooth he flowed around the field. That was the, what impressed me so much about Darius Leonard at the senior bowl last year, just just how he moves sideline to sideline. It was almost like he was gliding around the field. And uh, certainly that was, a, that, that was a, a sign of things to come because he turned out to be an incredible rookie. Uh, went earlier than I think just what anybody thought, and, uh, and, and it turns out he should have probably went earlier. Right. Darius Leonard had one bad one bad rep in practice, and that was the very first one. Dallas Goddard shook him on a route. It was, just, it was so bad that he fell down. I mean, that's how bad he got shook on the route by Goddard, and that ended up being the last rep Goddard took because he hurt himself on the play and, and didn't play the rest of the week. So, But that was Darius Leonard was awesome. So was Dorian didn't O'Daniel Leonard, last year as well. The, didn't Leonard put a licking on someone too? Didn't he have like a really big hit during one of the practices too? Along yeah, the I, I cannot remember. I, I cannot remember. I, I remember the play. I can't remember who it was, but I do remember the play. Well, Scott, uh, I'll let you go. You probably got some more packing to do. Uh, I expect to see you sometime tomorrow afternoon, sir. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I'm just finishing up my packing, and uh, then I'll be on my way towards you. And uh, uh, first thing kicked off Monday. We got the introductory press conference with uh, the new director, Jim Nagy. Some of the top prospects will be there. It's always a fun start. So uh, I'm looking forward to a great week and uh, try to keep it as dry as possible. I did go buy a poncho package just in case, but uh, I'm hoping I'm going <laughs> to that, that. Was, that was my suggestion. Pack that poncho because uh, we're, we're going to get wet. So uh, I, I, don't think, I, I don't think it's going uh, to miss us. Uh, there, there's, there's worse travesties. It's not going to be below zero temperatures and wind chills like here in Minnesota. So I, I can deal with a little rain as long as it's above freezing. Oh, it will be above freezing, sir. Scott, it was great talking to you, and I'll see you tomorrow, sir. All right, Brian. See you soon. That was Scott Wright of NFL of uh, DraftCountdown.com, a uh, good friend, uh, good friend of mine, and uh, like I said, I. Hang out with him every year at the Senior Bowl for the last five, six years. Great guy. Uh, follow all his work. Follow him on Twitter at Draft Countdown or go to DraftCountdown.com. Uh, he's one of the longest-running sites out there, one of the best in the business. Uh, so, so go follow his work.
that's going to do it for tonight's episode of The Cheapest Meal. We may have one tomorrow, uh, but if not, definitely expect some every day this week. We're going to hopefully uh, have some player interviews that I'll conduct uh, during the week. Uh, we'll upload them into episodes of The Cheapest Meal for everyone to enjoy. As always, follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft um, and follow everything, all of my work at DeepFriedDraft.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time.